Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Friday afternoon, everybody. Kip Herridge here with your daily VRA Investing Podcast. Uh, new all-time highs wild today. All-time highs in our four top exchanges. SP 500, Dow Jones, Russ 2000, NASDAQ, all closing at all-time highs today. Started the SP 500 up nine-tenths of one percent. Dow Jones up eight tenths of one percent, closing at thirty thousand two hundred eighteen. By the way, SP five hundred closing at thirty six ninety nine. Russ two thousand led the way today. Small caps continue to soar, up two point three percent today. And finally, Nasdaq was our lagging on the day today, still up seven tenths of one percent, up eighty seven points at twelve thousand four hundred and sixty four. The news started this morning with um, the uh, jobs report for the month of November. Uh, you've probably heard this by now, but. Uh, uh, it was a miss, uh, 245,000 jobs created versus an estimate of 469,000 jobs with the unemployment rate falling to 6.7%, really uh, miraculous after what we've been through this year with coronavirus insanity. Uh, but the miss actually is a plus because th- that tells the markets that it's just that more certain they're going to get more stimulus. This would be round five for coronavirus insanity stimulus. As you, if you heard by now, probably are talking about $900 billion as a first round, which would actually work out to about $1.2 trillion because there's still about $300 billion left over in the Paycheck Protection Plan that will be reauthorized by Congress as well. And again, all this has got to happen by year end because literally tens of millions of hard-hit Americans are going to see their benefits uh, begin to end, uh, the extended unemployment benefits, uh, the, the um, uh, foreclosure uh uh, 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 moratorium will be up on renters at the end of this year, and uh, the uh, student loan payments will begin to have to be made again, as well as mortgage payments. If you add it all up, you've got a total of 47 million Americans relying on some form of this uh, coronavirus stimulus. So look for that to get passed. And really, regardless of who the president is, we continue to believe that will be Donald Trump. We'll cover that more in just a moment. Uh, next year is going to bring not 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 nine hundred billion, not one trillion, not two trillion, but combination of QE and fiscal stimulus. You're talking next year at least three trillion dollars, maybe more. Uh, and the markets, of course, love that liquidity. Two things drive liquidity. Uh, two things drive the markets higher: liquidity and corporate earnings. And uh, that uh, earnings continue to improve here. Estimates uh, first quarter GDP now coming in at around have been raised this week by an average of eight percent. So it's happening quickly. Uh, Wall Street is aggressively getting bullish here, and of course that's typically a sell signal. Uh, but again, this is a seasonally good period to be in the markets. One note that I'll make because this doesn't happen often: the semiconductors today also hit a new high up two point nine percent today, leading the way again. If you're bullish, that's what you want to see. Uh, they're now 38.5% above the 200-day moving average. That's rare air. That's very rare air. But uh, for now, the party continues, and uh, what a party it is. You, if, you're, if you're just an average person on the street that's trying to survive what's happened this year, it's got to be awfully frustrating seeing what's happening on Wall Street. And, um, you know, again, the key is going to be uh, this new stimulus money, where is it going to go? Are we going to get uh, just more uh, of the, the, the wealthy, uh, super wealthy rewarded from these uh, trillions that are going to be passed out? Or are they going to actually do something for the average person that, that really needs help here? 
as we go into 2021. Uh, continue to put pressure on congressmen to do the right thing here. And speaking of congressmen, you know, we, we're, we've been talking, obviously, about the election. The latest news there <clears throat> is that, and this was actually broken late yesterday, is that uh, the Trump team, legal team now has a Dominion piece of software. They now have a, a Dominion voting system, apparently, from a small county in Georgia. They apparently uh, found uh, vote changes made on that. So we'll see how that develops. The bigger news coming out of Georgia, of course, by now you've all seen the video uh, that everyone's talking about, the uh, CCTV, the closed, cap the, the closed circuit television that caught uh, what certainly looks to be some very questionable behavior out of uh, Georgia when uh, they told all the Republican workers to go home because there was a water main break that actually did not happen. And then uh, they, they, four people stayed behind to pull boxes out underneath the desk that uh, looked to, uh, based on what we've heard, contain between twenty and 30,000 uh, votes that were then uh, scanned while no one was there to observe. So that's raised a lot of uh, red flags. The governor there, Rhino Governor Brian Kemp, has now said uh, that he will move forward with a, uh, a, vote, uh, a vote signature audit, they call it. Uh, to uh, you know, to to at least begin to take a look at the signatures on these votes uh, that came in mail ballot mail and ballot votes to see if they're legitimate. Of course, that's where the real fraud is. But you know, what's also making the rounds is is in, and is not really being picked up. Surprise, surprise! By mainstream media, is the other fraud that's been uncovered in Georgia. Remember, all it takes is one state. If one state flips, one Republican legislature in these key swing states. If they flip and stop the certification, that's going to put pressure on these other Republican states, again, Republican-controlled legislature states, to do the same thing in these key swing states. But listen to these facts. I won't go over all of them. I'm going to tell you the biggies. These are the illegal votes that were cast, clearly illegal votes that were cast in Georgia. How this happens, how this is possible, you tell me. In Georgia, 66,000 people under the age of 18 voted. 66,000. The margin there is, what, 12,000 uh, with the Biden lead? <clears throat> uh, what percentage of those votes under 18 cast for Biden? you got to figure it's probably 90% range. Same thing with uh, 40,000 people changed county and never re-registered. Those votes were counted. Now, that's not possible. As I understand it in Texas, like, for example, Tyler, who now lives in Austin, but is still registered in, in Harris County, which is Houston, Tyler had to come back to, to, to Houston. Uh, we live in Sugarland, but Tyler had to come back home and then drive into Harris County, into Houston, and cast his vote there because that's the county he's registered in. That's how it works, right? But how did 40,000 people change their county where they voted but never re-register? That's not supposed to happen. So just from those two, under 18, and uh, those that change their county never re-registered. That's 100, 100, 106,000 people total. Okay? And now let's get to the fun stuff. 10,000 people that voted died before the election. I can keep going. There's a total of 140,000 people here in Georgia that shouldn't have voted that, that got their vote cast and counted. Again, 90%. 90% voted for Biden. This is, not, this is not possible. When you see these spikes that happened on election night where all of a sudden Biden's batch of votes comes in of 100, 200,000 votes, and this is what happened in all these key Democrat-controlled cities and these swing states, 
And this is where the spikes come in of, you know, 100,000 votes come in, 90,000 were for Biden. So uh, the American people aren't going to, are just aren't going to put up with this. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. Our eyes have been opened. We've got a lot of red-pilled Americans now. It's a very good thing long-term, by the way. And so uh, these Republican legislatures have got to step up. If not, then it's going to the Supreme Court, and that's where the ultimate decider will be. Or, as many of you have reminded me, Vice President Pence has a lot of power there as well when the final certifications come in and the electoral votes are cast. He has to sign off on it. It's, it's something that not a lot of people are aware of, but there are a lot of avenues left here. In the meantime, we just, you know, the, the pressure's got to continue to be brought to bear on these rhinos that simply refuse to, to, to take care of their constitutional obligations. Unbelievable. A lot of people are, being, are going to be primaried. A lot of Republicans are going to be primaried going forward. And uh, the Republican Party, we really, we really don't have two parties. We have one party, the Establishment Party, right? And they're there to line their own pockets. That's why they're not, that's why they're not speaking up. That's why 90% of Republican, elected Republicans are saying nothing about this massive vote fraud because, well, they've probably been, co- been compromised. Who knows? They're just there for the gravy train. But they're going to get primaried. We're going to take we're, – uh, we're actually going to have two parties going forward. My vote is for – to change – to take over the Republican Party completely, change the name to the Patriot Party, and let's get, get this second American revolution really underway and uh, take back this country because unless something's done real soon, folks, who, who believes? Who believes there's a chance – that David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, either one, will win their Senate race in Georgia. <clears throat> I don't live in Georgia, but if I did, would I go vote for them? Yeah, I would. But I would do it hesitantly because why would you go vote if you know the election's rigged? It, I don't know why, again, mainstream Republicans uh, that don't understand this and trying to preach to the rest of us how we need to uh, get in line and go support Loeffler and Perdue when they're not supporting President Trump aggressively as he's going to Georgia this Saturday to do a huge Trump rally. So that'll be a fun watch. Okay, uh, let's get to the uh, see thing here. Uh, let's get right to the markets today. Let's look at under the hood of the internals. Really solid here again today. Let me hit a quick refresh to get all the most recent numbers here. All right. Advanced decline, 3 to 1 positive, both NYSE and NASDAQ, actually a little bit better than that. Uh, up down volume, 4 to 1 positive NYSE. Uh, not about, about 1.5 to 1 positive uh, NASDAQ up down volume. We've had a couple of days this week where the volume in NASDAQ looked a little skewed, and that's because these bank stocks, again, market weighted, heavy, heavily market weighted in NASDAQ. Uh, just really haven't participated yet, the Facebooks of the world and others that really haven't participated in this rally. Uh, they probably will before it's all over. And then here's the biggie. You sitting down? New 52-week highs to lows. This is the biggest reading that I remember this year. And I, I tr- we track all this. I just didn't pull it up before the podcast today. But today we had <laughs> combined, as the NYC and, and NASDAQ combined, 696 stocks hitting new 52-week highs to 14 hitting new 52-week lows. Uh, yeah, this is a melt-up market. It, this is a market that's going to keep going higher. It doesn't mean every day will be up like this. We're going to have shakeouts, and, and those, those have to be bought here. This reminds market. We started talking about this with you probably late last year. This market, before coronavirus insanity struck, 
This market continues to remind me very much of 1998. Okay, uh, but this is when the fund start, really started, uh, and we got you know Crazyville moves higher, and we haven't seen that yet. It, it may feel like it again, everything hitting new highs, but that's just at new highs now. We're just breaking out to new highs. What happens next is the parabolic move higher because remember, from a technical point of view, a technical analysis point of view, when a stock or an index or a market would have you hits a new high, there are no sellers left that have any losses in these, in, these, in these names. So there's no resistance. And that's when the moves can go parabolic. That's what happened in 98 and 99 with the, dot, uh, the dot, uh, dot com boom before it became the dot com bust. We're just not near that yet. And again, it doesn't mean we want to have some shakeouts. We will. But the, one of the bigger points that, uh, that, that I see uh, is that we've yet to have uh, an IPO boom. That just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, we've had a lot of companies come public. A lot of companies have done well. But you have to remember, in, in 1999, we had, <clears throat> uh, I want to, don't quote me, I'm working off memory. We had 500 companies go public that averaged 50% gains on day one. Of those 500 or so, 130 of those 500 averaged 100% gain on day one. So that's the kind of mania that we could be getting into here. Uh, again, the short-term concern, things like the semis trading at 39.5% uh, above the 200-day moving average. You see these kind of extremes. It tells you that uh, you know it would, all it would take would be, I don't know, bad vaccine news, uh, which, by the way, Pfizer today, if you notice this, <clears throat> Pfizer very, very quietly said, they can't really ascertain whether or not yet, if you take the vaccine, if you can still be contagious. That's kind of a big deal. Uh, it's kind of a big deal because you, you think you'd like to take a vaccine so you can't not only not get sick yourself, but you can't get other people sick. And that's not the case with flu shots and, uh, because you still get it. It's just a mild case. And that, that almost certainly would be the case here as well. So, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of there's been a lot of euphoria you know, about this uh, vaccine. Maybe it'll be a panacea. It's not going to be. First of all, what, what percent? 40%, 30% of the population is going to take one in the U.S.? Um, if you remember, in 1970s, uh, Gerald Ford believed that a, uh, a, 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 a major pandemic like uh, the, um, the 1918 uh, flu that killed 100 million people, right, that, that we were that one was coming this way. That's what his experts, like his Fauci, the fraud. That's what his experts of the time told him that they were going to have one that was going to wipe out so many people, kill so many people that they had to rush a vaccine. It was a disaster. First of all, the the illness, the the, the pandemic never arrived, uh, like the Spanish flu of 1918. It never arrived, and the vaccine got a lot of people very, very sick. So they kind of hushed that up. No one talks about it anymore, but all you got to do is research it. Gerald Ford shut that program down very quick, and they stopped talking about it also very, very quickly. Uh, but um, it would take something like that probably to give us a shakeout that would last, I don't know, a week or so before we moved higher again. That's our read on it right now. But again, the markets do look very good. Uh, by the way, the, the, the 10-year yield now is back up to 9.7%. Uh, that 1% that 1% level has served as a, a top for, for a while now. 
and it likely will continue to. But again, we have so much stimulus coming next year uh, that uh, at some point bond yields will begin to rise, especially when you see things like copper, you know, that are soaring here, telling you the global economy is in really good shape. Uh, let's take a look at our sector watch today. We had uh, of our 11 S&P 500 sectors, nine of 11 closed higher, led by energy of 5.4%, materials of 2%. By the way, in energy, uh, as we've been alerting our people, uh, look, this group has been leading now after lagging for years. And uh, the 200-day moving average has been surpassed in XLE, which is the energy ETF. We're watching it very closely because that served as really as, as, as a magnet for lower prices in the past. And uh, it's acted as gravity. And so that's, that's key. But today, for example, with oil up uh, about right at 1% at to $46 a barrel, uh, XLE outperformed at 5 to 1. So that's 5% up today. Uh, so that's uh, the commodities always, uh, the, excuse me, the equities lead the underlying commodity. That's a very bullish sign. It also applies, of course, to precious metals and, and to miners as well. But to watching that closely for any kind of a reversal, uh, again, everything's going up now, so uh, not a surprise there. Uh, but again, all 11, excuse me, 9 of 11 closed higher. The only thing that was lower today really was utilities with higher rates. Utilities, the largest borrower of cap of money in the country. Uh, utilities down 1%, no, no great shakes there. Uh, commodity watch today. Gold flat up at 1840, even as weak as the dollar has been. You have to remember, a, a lot of people believe that there's a direct correlation, like a high correlation between lower dollar and what should be higher precious metals prices. And that's not really the case. There's a 59% correlation between, between a, a, a rising or a declining dollar and its impact that it has on precious metals. What's really happening there is you do have a lot of people that have said, you know what, I like Bitcoin. I'm going to transfer money to Bitcoin. It's taken some of the shine off of gold. And I think uh, the other thing that's happened, of course, is with rising rates, gold doesn't pay a dividend. And so rising rates, we, have a, we still have a deeply negative yield curve, uh, but it's a little bit less so. But we love precious metals here. Make no mistake about that. Uh, this is a group that, that we followed, that I followed really closely for a long time. And our second ever new, uh, VRA uh, newsletter update, this was back in 2003, second ever that I wrote, recommended gold at $375 an ounce, silver just below $5 an ounce. And, uh, you know, I was bitten. You know, my, my dad was a gold bug, so... I was bitten long before that, but um, this is the, the, the this is the most bullish that I've been since then on precious metals and miners. So we continue when, when when they trade sideways or they have little pauses. We use those to aggressively add to positions. That, that's what we've been doing here now, and um, because gold moves higher, really for two reasons: uh, a, a negative yield curve is certainly one of those reasons. The big reason is currency inflation, and it really always has been. Uh, so they can manipulate gold lower for a while, but the trend will remain bullish. Our long-term targets are you know, $5,000 an ounce plus in gold. That will probably be exceeded and $100 an ounce in, uh, in silver. Love silver here. Silver held up much better than gold did. Remember, gold just went below its 200-day moving average before climbing back above it this week after the sell-off. It started after the vaccines were released. Uh, silver never did. Silver never had that big hit. Stay well above the 200-day, did not get as, as deeply oversold. That's class, uh, kind of a classic bullish sign for both silver and gold and the miners. Today, silver at 14 cents at 24.27. Remember, this is also, the seasonally speaking, the most bullish time to be in precious metals, specifically gold, as what we, we track here seasonality-wise. 
the, the best months to be in gold are from September to February. The worst month is March. Maybe keep that in mind. But this is the time now uh, to have your positions. And of course, if you're going to be in physical gold and silver and you don't want to buy the paper stuff, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's worth what it's printed on. You want to own physical gold and silver and you really want to own the miners. That's where the leverage is. We talked about a minute ago today with XLE being up five to one uh, over uh, the, the move higher at oil today. That's the exact thing that we'll see going forward. We need to see some volume come in. And, uh, but we like silver quite a bit here again at 2427 today. Seasonality speaking, this is the time to own. And uh, we look at, we're actually looking for that move to start next week. We need a couple of technical factors to kick in uh, to give us new buy signals, but we're essentially there right now. Oil today, again, at, uh, up 1% at $46.05 a barrel, approaching overbought. Still got a little room to run. Copper, seven year, new seven-year high today, uh, closing up 1% at $3.52 a pound. Again, global economy looking great. This is another reason why we love silver. Copper and silver tend to move together. Yes, silver is a precious metal, also an industrial metal. And with uh, all of the uses now, especially with technology and solar and electric vehicles and uh, all of our newfangled tech that's coming out, silver is a must. So again, silver is going to follow copper in our view. We continue to like copper. We have for a while. One of our, one of our top uh, recommendations, uh, we call it a VRA 10-bagger because it's got the potential to go up 1,000% or more. I've found uh, a few of these over my career. And uh, uh, copper is, uh, is, is, is a big reason why we own one of those. It's Turquoise Hill Resources, in case you want to check it out. It's a, that's a, it was up 7% today as well. And that's one of our top positions. We like copper a lot here. Global economy is really, really coming back strong. And why wouldn't it? What is it? Well, we have uh, combined globally $17 trillion in, uh, in, in stimulus and QE. That number is probably on the low side from coronavirus insanity. Finally today, Bitcoin down uh, $480 at 18887 Folks, hope you had a great week, an even better weekend. And uh, we always appreciate you being here. Please join us full-time at VRAinsider.com. Again, VRAinsider.com. We'll see you back here again Monday after the close.